Greetings to you from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one in the wilderness of this life. Cry and prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight every red path. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is indeed another blessed day which the Lord has made and we shall be glad. So far, we have established that everyone, particularly Christians, are assessed by one or more of three voices. And these are the voices of Satan and his uh, agents, the voice of self, both of the Christian and of others, and the voice of the Son of God and his agents. Now, in this broadcast, we want to discuss how we can differentiate the voice of the Son of God and, of course, his agents from the voices of Satan and his agents and, of course, of self. Now, there is usually the thought that, that the immature or the uninitiated have that um, Satan walks about with two horns on his head, um, a, an arrow-headed uh, tail in his behind, and a red three-pronged uh, long fork in his hand. Now, nothing can be further from the truth. Indeed, Satan and his cohorts can come to you looking like angels. Now, the Bible makes this absolutely clear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through to 15, the Bible says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So Satan does not necessarily come like he's a very wicked man or he's an ugly-faced monster. He can come as a lamb. He can come as a quiet person. He can come as an angel. He can come as a preacher of righteousness. In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, I'm just going to read verse 29 and 30 and maybe possibly 31. Paul was uh, departing the region of uh, Asia Minor and he began to speak to the people he was leaving behind about the things that are likely to happen when he leaves. In verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my, depart my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul the Apostle warned people that, look, Satan is not going to come the way you think he's going to come. He's going to come like a, a, a sheep, only in wolf's clothing, in wolf's clothing. And he warned his people. He said, even amongst you, there are people who will arise here and who will begin to speak the words of Satan to you. Indeed, in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. I need to read these scriptures because it is important that we understand that the Bible says a lot about the things that we see happening around, whether we've taken cognizance of it or not. 
in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. False prophets come as though they are sheep. They come as though they are lambs. They are gentle. They are quiet. They have a mien, a disposition that would readily make you say, this is a man of God. In 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter was so definitive about uh, this matter of false prophets, false teachers, and in our own time, I say false churches, that he penned it as one of the things that uh, one of his last acts of writing before he was um, glorified, before before God, uh, before he, he brought glory to God through his death. In 2 Peter chapter 2, from verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, or Peter was writing by the Spirit of God, and says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they feign, shall they with faint words rather make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, we are warned that these people will come and they have a way of doing things. They have a way of sweet-talking us into agreeing with them. They have a way of uh, capitalizing on our own covetousness, on our own greed, on our own avarice, and our own jealousies. Indeed, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 again, this time around, we're just going to look at verses 3 and 4. Here, Paul was, was um, feeling or caring, rather, for the Corinthian church. He said, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds shall be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if he receive, if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which we have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. There are people who are so open to false teachings, to false uh, prophecies, that he, he, he began to fear for them. That I, I, have a, I have a feeling that the simplicity of the gospel is going to make you to begin to, to, to be beguiled by Satan and his agents. Because they will come in ways that we do not expect. They will come as though they are, they are lambs. And they will deceive many who have some ulterior motives for certain spiritual benefits within them and will be misled. Now, for this reason, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, we are warned, indeed, the, 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 the preachers of righteousness are warned from verse 2. It says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and I say the time has actually come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So, 
there are people who are readily going to be deceived by Satan and his cohorts and even by the voice of self. Now, because this is the case, and it is not easy to know when a voice other than God's is speaking, we ought to have a way of guarding against the deception of Satan and the rebellion of self. Remember, Satan can quote scripture. Also remember, self twists the word of God to suit the flesh. So, I want to read 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read from the first verse through to the 16th verse. 1 John chapter 4 from verse 1 through to verse 16. And I read, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it shall come, that it should come, brother. And even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen, and do testify, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known, and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Praise the name of the Lord. We are told in these verses to test every spirit, to test every voice that is speaking to us. And we are now given the, the, the basis on which we, will, we can apply these tests. Firstly, we are told to ask whether this fellow this fellow, this voice that is speaking, or this person that is speaking to us, claiming to be speaking uh, by, by God, does he confess? And I want to make that word confess clearer. Does he declare unequivocally, no, un, no equivocation whatsoever, that Jesus has come in the flesh? 
Not the one that says, oh, well, you know, the, 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 the way the Bible is saying the flesh is not the way you should be looking at it. When they say Jesus came in the flesh, he is saying something else. No, that's not. When we say unequivocation, unequivocation, we say as the Bible says, has Jesus come in the flesh? The answer must be yes, without any equivocation whatsoever. Secondly, does the agent or this voice that is speaking to us, does it speak of worldly things or do they focus on the kingdom of God? These are very, very crucial things that we need to be asking. And is the focus, is the focus actually on the kingdom of God or is it on worldly things? These days we have all manner of things happening in our churches. We are speaking on, and some of these things are not bad in themselves, but they, they do not help the cause of Christ. They do not further the ability of the Christian to live above sin, to overcome sin, and to overcome temptation. Rather, they get the, 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 the Christian to get back into the self-life, into the life of the flesh. And so it is important. We need to find out. This fellow that is speaking to us, all these people who are speaking, are they speaking of worldly things or are they speaking of things of the kingdom of God? Indeed, the Bible tells us, I think that's in Acts, Acts chapter 1, that when the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and came and spoke to his disciples, he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom. This is what we ought to be speaking about. This is the kind of voice, the voice of God. It speaks about the things of the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, we have to ask, does the agent who is speaking to us, is he hearing and obeying the word of God? Or does he or she come up with their own reasoning or interpretation to circumvent or justify their rebellion against God and his word? Because we, we, are, we are seeing all kinds of, we are hearing all manner of things these days. So we need to find out, this person that is coming to speak to me, does he agree with the word of God? Or is he trying to circumvent? Is he trying to look for a way to say, well, you know, God doesn't speak like this. This is how God speaks and so on and so forth. And that way, begin to create a, a, an avenue whereby he can justify his rebellion against the word of God. Fourthly, we have to ask, does the agent love the brethren regardless of tribe, tongue, skin color, ethnicity, gender, nationality, socioeconomic status, political affiliation, and so on and so forth? Do we have people who are now beginning, because the way the church, is, the church of God has developed over the centuries, we are now having all manner of denominations and sectionalism in the body of Christ. And one person says, oh, my body is, this our church is better than your church. And we have forgotten what the Bible tells us, where Paul was writing to the Corinthians and said, some of you say, oh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of um, Apollos, I'm even of Christ. And he's wondering, is Christ divided? Did Peter, Paul, or the others, did they die for you? Did your pastor die for you? Did your denomination die for you? Is the body of Christ divided? Is it not one body? So we need to find out these things. These people who are coming to speak to us, who claim that they are speaking to us by God, the question is, are they preaching denominationalism or are they preaching the body of Christ? Fifthly, does the agent confess, again, I use the word, declare unequivocally that Christ, the Lord Jesus, is the Son of God? Not trying to look for a way of making it nice to fit his own agenda. Christ must be the Son of God. Otherwise, he's not Christ. If Jesus is not the Son of God, then we have no salvation. 
Because the base of our salvation is first and foremost that he's the son of God. And secondly, which is also important, that he's the savior of the world. On these two uh, revelations hinge the salvation of mankind. That he's the savior of the world. Now, so having noted these things and the questions that we, that we have asked, I'd like to end this discussion on differentiating between God's voice and the voice of others by looking at 1 Kings chapter 13. It's a very lengthy uh, chapter, but I'm going to read verse 1 to 32, which is basically, I think, two or three verses shy of the entire chapter. And as we read these verses of Scripture, we are going to see certain things that, you know, clearly tell us that we need to be very, very careful when it comes to hearing the voice of God and differentiating between that voice and other voices. First Kings chapter 13 from verse 1 through to verse 32. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the way, by the same way, brother, that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, when they told also to the, or spoken unto the king, them rather, they told also to their father. And their father came unto them, and their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen the way, had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. 
And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread, and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, Eliam met him by the way, and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by, and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city, where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke unto him. And he spake to his sons, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God, and laid it upon the ass, and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came to pass, after he had buried him, that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulchre wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, from the verses uh, that we have read, there are basically two principal actors here. The man of God and the old prophet. And then there are also two secondary um, uh, but very significant actors. These are Jeroboam, the king of Israel, and the sons of the old prophet. Now, the man of God heard from God and proceeded to carry out God's instruction, which he did with power. He prophesied against the altar, even though Jeroboam, 
the king was present. He did not fear the fact that the king was there. He prophesied. And when the king tried to have him arrested, the king's hand froze. Such power. Now, upon the king's plea, the man of God prayed to God, uh, prayed to God and the king's hand was unfrozen. Now, the king tried to reward the man of God, but he refused, citing God's instruction to him. And also, possibly, possibly, because Jeroboam was obviously an idol worshipper. Now, when it came to the old prophet, it was a different ballgame. Because we, we, we will note, we note that although the man of God was able to hold his ground for some time, he soon gave way to the deception or the lie of the prof, of the old prophet. Because the Bible made it clear that he lied when he said, when he claimed that an angel had spoken to him to bring the man back. Why? Why did this prophet fall for this old prophet? And why did this man of God, rather, fall for the lie and the deception of the old prophet? It's possible that the old prophet was. After all, the old prophet himself told the, the, the man of God, he said, I am also a prophet of God. And as far as the man of God was concerned, he couldn't possibly be lying. How wrong he was. In fact, it cost him his life. I, I want to believe very strongly that even though that man of God was, was uh, killed, I want to believe that we will see him in heaven. However, we cannot be making that kind of mistake today. Not when we already have these examples that we can follow. It is strange that the same old prophet who lied to the man of God was the same channel through whom God chose to declare his judgment to the man of God. Why? Because the man of God had chosen to listen to this old prophet rather than God. So, God had to speak through this same old prophet whom he had chosen rather to listen to, to pass judgment. Now, it is very easy to judge this man of God. But we all fall for the trick of Satan. We all fall for the sentiments and the emotions of self. So, how do we guard against this? How do we guard against falling for the trick of Satan? How do we guard against falling for the sentiments and the emotions of self. This will form the basis of our next broadcast. But for now, let us do a quick recap. We are not to take everyone speaking the word of God as being from God. We must test them. That's what we will say. You want to differentiate between whether God is speaking and someone else is speaking, you must apply the test. You must be able to apply that test. One, do they declare without mincing words that Jesus, the Son of God, and the Savior of mankind from sin, not Savior of mankind for you to become a, a, a rich person, or for you to own properties, or for you to own everything you want to own in the world. That is Satan. That is not God. But that he is the Savior of mankind from sin and the judgment thereon. Because that is why Christ came, to save mankind from sin and the judgment of God upon sinners. Secondly, do they teach kingdom-based messages or some humanistic developmental messages? There are so many, so much, so much of that happening today. We must be careful. These 
humanistic messages. We have them in our educational system. Let the people go there and learn. But in the church of God, when a man says that he is a minister of the gospel, he is called to teach the kingdom of God, to preach the kingdom of God. Uh, thirdly, do they act according to the word of God or are they trying to excuse their moral failings by twisting the word of God to justify their unholy acts? I've seen people who dress obnoxiously, who dress in, in a lewd manner and they say, God is only interested in the heart, not in our outward dressing. No, God is interested in both the internal and the external. It is indeed when God is on the inside that it will soon manifest on the outside. You cannot be having moral failings and be justifying it by saying that God is only interested in the heart. In fact, the interest of God in the heart, it is even in the heart that we find the failure of morality, not in the outward. What we see on the outward is a result of the failing that took place in the heart. So we need to be very careful. There are people like that. They, they, they want to excuse their moral feelings and then they want to twist the word of God to suit it. Fourthly, do they spew hate on other believers or do they love the brethren without reservation? It's important. Again, I said earlier that we have denominations, so many today, so much so that people are now beginning to pitch tents in their own denominations to the exclusion of other believers. Whereas what I have heard, what is a blessing to me, I should be able to share with others. I remember when we were young believers, we bought messages and we, we gave it for free to our friends to listen to so that they could be blessed. These days, we wouldn't even want to hear that because we believe that what our pastor is saying or our pastor is the best pastor in the world. But that's not how God works. God would speak to anybody through all his servants. He has his own servants. I am not going to subtract from the fact that you have pastors. Yes, but there are also people who God can speak to you through, whom God has prepared for that purpose, particularly when it seems that your, your listening to your pastor has made you to become so um, used to God that you are no longer able to hear him otherwise. Fifthly, we have to ask, do they accept and declare that Jesus has come in the flesh, that he has died, that he was buried, that he resurrected from the dead, that he ascended to heaven, and that he will return again? Or do they just have some so-called theological basis to support an otherwise uh, argument? Because I've, I've, I've heard quite a bit of, of, of strange arguments about that oh, Jesus did not actually die, that uh, it, was a, it was a spiritual transaction, not a, not a physical transaction. That's hogwash. When the Bible says Jesus Christ died, he died. He died and was buried. And then he rose again and finally was resurrected, uh, uh, finally ascended into heaven, where he is presently until he will return and all eyes shall see him. I believe that God does not want us to be deceived any longer. God wants us to be able to decipher when he's speaking from when other people are speaking, even though their voice may sound like it is God speaking. In our next broadcast, we shall look more at the individual than at his speech and acts as the means of differentiating between God's voice and the voice of others. And we are going to use what we have discussed, uh, the, the, the verse of scripture that we looked at, 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1 to 32, we shall bring that again in our next broadcast and we shall elaborate more on that as we look at 
the old prophet and the man of God, why the man of God fell for the old prophet's deception. And of course, we, 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 now, we will now be able to learn lessons on how we should, how we can avoid making those mistakes. But for now, I want us to pray for discernment. Ask God for discernment so that we can avoid hearing and doing words that are contrary to the word of God. So that we can discern from when somebody has come in sheep's clothing, even though he's a revenue wolf on the inside. When someone comes with the face of an angel, even though he's a demon on the inside. And we're able to say, by the spirit of God, this fellow is not of God. And we can, we'll be able to avoid falling into the pitfall, make, make, making the same mistake as this man of God made. He was a man of God, no doubt. He had the word of God, no doubt. He spoke it with, with faithfulness and spoke it with power. And it was evident, yet he fell because another fellow came and said, I also am a prophet. We need to be able to discern. The man of God in this story, we shall elaborate, elaborate on that in our next broadcast, fell largely because he believed he was dealing with a child of God. It was clear when he was dealing with Jeroboam because Jeroboam was an idol worshiper. This one is, I mean, it was obvious. It is, the, it is the ones that are not obvious that trip us off. And my prayer is that as we seek God for discernment, we'll be able to avoid the pitfall of being deceived by people who are peddling the gospel. And we will think, oh, these are men of God. And there are so many of them on radio and on television and indeed on Facebook and other social media platforms. I pray that God will help us as he gives us the spirit of discernment and we'll be able to overcome and avoid the pitfalls that are strewn all over the place. God bless you.